happy Monday. Hope you had a great weekend. Thank you for being with us. Write down our toll-free number. It's 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of this extravaganza. This is probably one of the coolest things any elected official ever has done, and it's the governor of the great state of Alaska, Governor Dunleavy, and he's he's literally telling Washington, D.C. to go blank themselves. I just love this. And I love all things Alaska. So I haven't been there. I'm in every state. I haven't been to Alaska. I've got to get to Alaska. And because I love all of those shows, Life Below Zero, and I, I watch them all. And I, I love Deadliest Catch. Linda, how much do I love Deadliest Catch? I love Deadliest Catch. A lot. I, um, I actually have to get in contact with Mike Rowe, who who. He voices that program. I'm like so jealous. I'd love to have that job. That's one job I'd love. And these cool, I mean, you're talking about the roughest seas and these guys go out and they're, they're just fighting to make a living and they get these huge crabs. I mean, it's the coolest thing ever. And it's tough. It's like Wicked Tuna is cool too. Love those shows. Anyway, it's just the people that live off the grid and people that just come up with the, they just have to, they, you have to survive. And the ways they do it is fascinating to me. Anyway, between he's one of the governors that joined the other states and suing over the Keystone XL pipeline. He basically told Washington, uh, sorry, those are our uh, waters that we navigate through. We are going to take full ownership of that. We're taking full ownership. We're not listening to anything you have to say. And and in other words, other areas within Alaska that the feds want to try to control, he's saying, no, we're not accepting that either. The land belongs to the people of Alaska. It doesn't belong to Washington, D.C. Alaska will help residents fight any federal violation or tickets that they might receive moving forward. I thought it was an awesome idea. Um, and I would like to see more states do it. And I see that other states are now fighting back and there's a, a, a lot of lawsuits now that have been pushed out as it relates to Biden and executive action and orders and the Ill- illegality of it all. And, um, you know, the people in Alaska, they don't pay state income taxes in Alaska. People in Alaska get a check every year because of it's a state rich in natural resources and because the people of Alaska own those natural resources, they actually get money from the state for living in Alaska. I mean, it's a pretty amazing system that they've set up there. But anyway, we'll get to that today. Um, we have, we're going to, I know a lot of you are either making or in the process of making your own determination as to whether to get the vaccine, not get the vaccine. Some of you might have had COVID or you didn't have COVID. And, you know, we, we, I'm just bringing on, this is a personal decision. The shaming that is that they're trying to do in Washington for senators and congressmen and women that they're trying to, you know, why, why didn't you get the vaccine? It's none of your business. This is a personal decision you need to make with your doctor or doctors based on your personal private medical history and what your appetite is for the science. And, you know, I urge everybody, inform inform yourself. Information is available. You just click here, Google here, do this, research that. You can find anything you want. 
And it's, it's, you know, I'm leaning to, I'm going to get, I think my number just got called in New York just last week. So my doctor and I pretty much had decided I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. Some friends think I'm nuts. Some don't, but it's not, you know, I'm only saying it because I feel like sharing it. I don't really like sharing personal information like that. It's, it's really nobody's business. I, I could never understand. I got COVID. I'm announcing it on Twitter. Like, okay, I, we, we're praying for you. Like everybody else, I hope you know. I hope you get the best treatment and you recover quickly. That's what I hope. Take it seriously. Everyone needs to. We know every. We know the rules by now. Uh, I'm getting a little sick and tired of Fauci being wrong on everything, and he's not on the front lines like, you know, like we have Doctor Farid on today and Doctor Tyson on today. These these guys have have literally handled COVID up close and personal, and they're telling the strategies that work for them. That's all. Now, I'm not saying to follow them. I'm saying that you can listen and then research and then make your own decision. And at the end of the day, you have to live with your decision. But, you know, some people like the kids down in Miami that are on spring break, they kind of made a decision that they're going to be reckless. The only thing I would really urge those kids. All right. If that's how you want to live your life, you're old enough to decide you're in college at this point. It's not like anybody's going to tell you what to do or not do anyway curfew or no curfew they're going out there but but when you go back home if you've been out in big crowds and you didn't wear your mask and social distance and there's a chance you might have been exposed you might want to quarantine from grandma and grandpa and think of somebody besides yourself or mom and dad because they may we all know the one thing that did remain consistent was this impacted older people much more than younger people Although some of these new variants, what is it, South African variant is particularly pernicious and 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 is impacting, it seems, people 60 and older. Um, but the science is not complete on all of that. You know, as Dr. Oz had said, it's sad when whenever there's politics and medicine and there's an intersection at those two points, it always results in one thing, and that is politics winning. Now, I happen to say from day one that I believed in great American ingenuity invention. And I, I knew that America would be, especially with the president funding and financially backing up companies to invest all the resources they needed to get these vaccines and get them quickly. But with that said, do your research, talk to your doctor or doctors, make your decision based on, on those conversations based on your knowledge, what you accumulate, and nobody else should have any say in that decision-making if you're an adult. Um, Anyway, so, oh, by the way, Cuomo, apparently one accuser now says she has photographic proof of his sexual misconduct. We're watching that. Uh, Right now, by the way, it shouldn't shock anybody. New York, New Jersey are spiking more than any other states in the country again right now. I mean, you can't make this up how bad things have been handled here. There's a lot of reports. We'll get to it later in the program as to the origins of COVID-19 and more and more evidence. And even the AP is saying, and PBS is even suggesting that, you know, well, they're talking about the WHO reporting saying it's the animals are likely the source of COVID-19. Yeah, the only problem is... Uh, more and more people, including 60 Minutes, bringing it up, former CDC director Robert Redfield bringing it up that COVID-19 did escape from that Wuhan lab. 
and started spreading as early as September of 2019. Obviously, the Chinese knew something about this. The Chinese government knew something about this earlier than anybody, because if you lived in China, anywhere other than Wuhan province, you could not go to Wuhan province. You couldn't fly into Wuhan province. If you were in Wuhan, you couldn't fly to any other part of China. But they left people fly from Wuhan to the rest of the world. And that, to me, was the most horrific part of all of this. So uh, we'll get to that discussion later in the program today. I mean, I, you got to love Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz has the vaccine. And, you know, but why aren't you wearing a mask? If you don't like it that I'm not wearing my mask, I've been vaccinated. And you can just take a, you know, take a walk. You know, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Um, a lot happened this weekend. Where do you see the video we have for you exclusively tonight on Hannity on Fox News uh, as it relates to what's going on at the border? It is it is now a mess. And COVID is a big issue down there, too, that nobody seems to want to talk about. Um, by the way, here we have now we now President Harris. I mean, let's be honest here. She's making all the phone calls to all the foreign leaders. She's now going to now she's put in charge of this real crisis at the border. But there's a report out today on FoxNews.com. She's apparently more frustrated with the ongoing VP mansion re- re- renovations when the border crisis is getting worse and still nobody goes down there. Now, ABC uh, poll that has come out, majority of Americans, yeah, Biden has bungled the border. That's pretty transparent. Same with Rasmussen. Biden's approval rating sinking fast as the border crisis begins to worsen. You had a nine-year-old young girl die in the Rio Grande after what? Oh, she took Biden's immigration advice Well, if you're seeking asylum, come to America, he said, as a candidate, which we have played for you. Uh, Donald Trump wants to visit the Mexican border. That ought to be interesting. Maybe that'll maybe for a short time, they'll even lift the gag order that they're putting on Border Patrol agents and ICE agents that are trying to do their job every day. Uh, We now have more pictures. There actually were new cages that were built. Remember what Biden said last week? The only reason we have this crisis is Donald Trump's fault, because Donald Trump stopped building facilities to take people in. Well, no, because he built the wall that you stopped. He had the stay in Mexico policy, which is you don't get to cross the border illegally. And Joe Biden has adopted. We're going to aid and abet people breaking the law and provide facilities for them. Now, we're talking about a million people by June or July that they expect entering this country illegally. The worst numbers in over 20 years. And now every person needs food, water, shelter, medical care. Some point I would assume education is a part of it. On the border tour, we had senators being heckled by these coyotes. An estimate out last week that they were making $14 million a, a day between the drug trade, human trafficking, you have people with, with bank routing numbers in their pockets and phone numbers and the cartels, either you pay us all the money by this date or we're going to go pay your family that's still in Mexico or El Salvador or Honduras, we're going to go pay them a visit. So they're shaking down people when they give them, already the people are giving them every penny they have. Anyway, so the, the 18 U.S. senators that went on the fact-finding mission you know, we now find they're being heckled by these these human traffickers down there. 
We had over 100,000 illegal immigrants hit the border last month alone. Uh, 10,000 of them were kids. You have Border Patrol encountering 20,000 family units at the southwest border. Immigrations, ICE arrests, you know, they had to plummet because, and what's happening is those human traffickers, drug traffickers, uh, they're now making a fortune. And what they do is they know that all the resources are being spent in the building the kids' cages, which they are building. They have the plastic cages and they have the cages uh, that actually are real cages that we now got pictures to just over the weekend. You have, you know, Henry Cuellar releasing even more photos. Uh, they tried to stop Ted Cruz and block him from taking photos inside one of these facilities. And nobody has ever yet gotten into any of the cargo shipping containers they're putting kids in with the tiny window and the bars on the window. But these new pictures literally show kids in cages, no social distancing at all whatsoever. And, of course, the high rate of COVID-positive illegal immigrants in the country is real. And then we're dispersing people all around the country, which means they're bringing their COVID with them. Doesn't make sense. You have the DHS head purging the Homeland Security Advisor Council. And if anyone ever associated with Donald Trump has to go. We have nonstop border lies by Biden and the worst conditions imaginable. And he created the entire crisis. And he's lying to us saying Donald Trump created it. No, you got rid of the border wall construction. You're the one that ended the stay in Mexico policy. And you're the one that brought back catch and release. And you're even facilitating the release sometimes without even giving people a court date. All right, 25 to the top of the hour, 800-941. Sean, you want to be a part of the program. So what's happening now, and Biden got this started, Stacey Abrams down in Georgia followed up on this, is that if you support, we learned a lot in the last election. Let's put it that way. We know that partisan observers couldn't observe anywhere, even though the statutory language demands it. It calls for it. So that has to be fixed in every state. We know in the state of Georgia with the consent agreement, for example, we know that there were two signature verification standards. You didn't need voter ID. You didn't have your signature verified on the state database if you voted by mail. And then they added the stupid drop boxes, whatever that means. And you could drop as many boxes that votes in there and just possible. Anyway, so they fixed the laws in Georgia. But the, the talking point is this is to prevent people from voting, meaning H.R. 1, S.R. 1, the Senate resolution. OK, so they're trying to say that somehow this is Jim Crow. This is racism that is motivated by Republicans that don't want people to vote. That's not true. What people are people are asking for is really simple, is that whether you vote by mail or whether you vote by in person, day of voting, early vote, doesn't matter. If you vote in person and you need a voter ID, then you should need the same proof if you vote by mail. And and that that is where these things have to be fixed. It's not that it's not that complicated. Now, if you want to go to the White House and you want to visit Joe Biden or maybe take a tour of the White House, guess what? You need picture ID to get into that compound. I know because I've been there. 
if you want to go to Congress and Capitol Hill, you need picture ID. If you want to go visit Nancy, Chuck, your senator, your congressman, you want to just go for a tour. Guess what? Same thing. Kamala Harris, same thing. If you go to a DNC convention, guess what? You need picture ID. So they've been trying to push this narrative that, in fact, Republicans are doing this because this is racist. This is this is Jim Crow. What did what did he say last week? He used the line. He said, not Jim. Crow. I'm what convinced that we'll be able to stop this because it is the most pernicious thing. This makes Jim Crow look like Jim Eagle. Jim Eagle. And then he's talking about, well, we've got to we've got to fix the filibuster. We can't basically eliminate it, make it harder, um, because that's racism, too. And and making similar comparisons. Well, the only problem with that is, is that Democrats did it 250 times. The last Congress. Um, Now, there's new data out on this, because what's happening is Georgia has now passed and has been signed into. Yes, even Kemp got something right. Uh, It's been now passed into law on Friday, a new voter reform bill that makes it that that makes the playing field even. In other words, if you vote in person or you vote by mail, by the way, the laws in Joe's home state of Delaware are far more draconian, just as a side note. But the Georgia state legislature, Georgia governor now voted to have the exact same standards for anybody that votes. you got to have voter ID. You're going to have signature verification under the exact same law. Photo ID in order to vote by absentee. And it limits where drop boxes can be placed and when they can be accessed. And so just like we know these rules have to be fixed, we now know that pandemic or no pandemic, you have to allow the law if the law states that you have to have partisan observers allowed to observe then you've got to make the take the necessary steps to ensure that the law is followed we now see similar changes coming to arizona we now see that pennsylvania is trying although governor wolf will try to stop it but the state constitution of pennsylvania is crystal clear as it relates to the rare occasions that you're allowed to vote by mail now The state legislature can pass whatever it wants, but it doesn't have the ability to override the state constitution. To do that, they need a constitutional amendment. So either they change the constitution in Pennsylvania or they've got to abide by the constitution. People have been asking me, well, what should I do? What can I do? First stop is if you're in Georgia and if you're in Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan, Arizona, et cetera, Nevada, make sure that. You fix the voting laws so that it is free and fair and equal across the board. Now, Rasmussen did a poll on all of this because Joe Biden is insisting that voter ID laws are discriminatory and that they're designed to suppress minority votes. That's not true uh, because the exact same voter ID that you, or picture ID that you would need to get into his White House or Kamala Harris's mansion that is being renovated that is upsetting her so much, or Nancy and Chuck's office, or your local congressman or woman's office, and you want to get in the Capitol, you need a picture ID. You want to go to a Democratic National Convention, you need a picture ID. New Rasmussen poll, 75% likely voters believe that there should be required to show a photo identification, like a driver's license, 
before being allowed to vote. It doesn't matter if it's by mail or it's in person. You you can't have two separate standards, one that's very rigid for people to vote in person and one that's non-existent for people that vote otherwise. And by the way, it crosses all demographics, 74 percent of white Americans, 69 percent of African-Americans, 82 percent of other minorities say voters should, in fact, be required to show voter identification before being allowed to vote. And by the way, the law in Wisconsin, the the chief justice in that 4-3 decision and a blistering dissent was right. The state of Wisconsin does not allow for mail-in balloting the way they had it in 2020. The law of Wisconsin needs to be upheld. If they don't like the law, then change the law. Just like if you don't like the Constitution in Pennsylvania, change the Constitution. You don't get to just bypass it or through the stroke of a pen, just ignore the law. And the same would go for the state of Michigan. This is not that hard to to do here. But what they're trying to do is say, well, if you're not supporting H.R. 1, you must be racist. Nothing can be further from the truth. Wanting fairness for every voter. The same standards apply to everybody. Nobody in the media mob seems to be paying a lot of attention to what's happening in Iowa. Remember the name Mark Elias? Does that ring a bell? It should. He was the lawyer for the DNC in Hillary's presidential campaign. It's a guy, Mark Elias, he used the campaign funds. Remember the fusion hole GPS issue? Yeah, the Christopher Steele issue. Yeah, the dirty dossier with Russian misinformation uh, issue. Yeah. In other words, Mark Elias is the guy that has been involved, I would argue, um, well, pretty unsavory tactics, to say it nicely. And he's still the Democrats' go-to guy for election hit jobs. And he's now in charge of Nancy Pelosi's push to steal a seat. And I would say at this point, now that the seat's been now that you've had a count and a recount and a vote certification and a Republican seated, it was a close race. It was decided decided by six votes. Now they're trying to use Congress and Mark Elias to overturn the election of Iowa's Republican Congresswoman, Marionette Miller Meeks, which means that Pelosi is now using the guy that helped mastermind, you know, the whole Russiagate fraud. Pretty scary times we're living in here. Um, but. You know, does any of it surprise you? Doesn't surprise me. I saw that earlier today, uh, Jen Circleback Saki has uh, spoken out, and she was actually asked why the Biden administration is allocating $87 million to provide illegal immigrants with hotel rooms while our National Guard was forced to sleep on concrete floors in the middle of winter in the D.C. parking garage. One of the options that's being reported over the weekend is spending $86 million on hotel, hotel rooms for some migrants and feeding them. Um, how do you square that with the National Guard troops who were sleeping in parking garages and, you know, some of them got sick from having contaminated food? That's a disparity a lot of people are pointing out, that our National Guard was treated then illegal immigrants are going to be put in hotel rooms. Well, first, let me say that um, at the time when we became aware of the conditions, National Guard troops were um, in in, in uh, parking garages, as you noted. Uh, the president called the head of the National Guard that day and offered his assistance, offered to uh, play any role that he could play, boosting morale, asking for more aid, making sure they had the right, uh, were treated in the way that they deserved for the incredible role they've played. Oh, okay. A little late. Pretty unbelievable. 
The White House is committed, by the way, to releasing Biden's health report, but no timeline. Why didn't anyone ask in this one press conference, will you take that cognitive test? I get tested all the time. We'll release the original results. Then he said the second, did you get tested for for cocaine? Are you a junkie? Come on, man. Are you a junkie? No, he said he got tested many times for cognitive struggles. 861 convicted criminal migrants so far apprehended at the border. Over 800, 861. By the way, including, according to the Washington Examiner, dozens of sex offenders apprehended within the Rio Grande Valley in Texas so far fiscal year 2021. That would be the Biden administration on top of the Biden cages that where they're holding children, where they can't shower, where there is a high incidence of covid positivity, where they got tinfoil blankets sleeping on the floor in shifts or having to sleep on their sides because of overcrowding. 60% of adults oppose the border crisis and blame Joe Biden. We now have endless waves of migrants now on their way, even still. Biden official asking GOP senators visiting the border to delete the photos of the facilities. Can you believe that? Now, I've got those photos, and I'm going to show them tonight on Hannity, 9 Eastern on Fox. Where do you see? Where do you see? We set our cameras with these 18 senators. What do you see what we got? Um, because it's it's even worse than you think. Ted Cruz literally encountered drug traffickers at the U.S.-Mexico border. And he detailed, you know, what happened. We've been listening to and seeing cartel members, human traffickers right on the other side of the river, waving flashlights, yelling and taunting Americans, taunting Border Patrol, because they know under the current policies of Biden, they can flood they can flood over here. He says they're getting paid four to five thousand dollars a person. A lot of people we're now discovering have phone numbers and bank routing numbers because when they make enough money, the cartels better get paid or else they're being told that their families back home are going to hear from them. It's horrible. All because of Joe Biden. By the way, that's not the worst of it either. Oh, and we found out, you know, that laptop that we still haven't gotten the full story on that I've been briefed on that's really bad about Hunter. Yeah, it turns out that um, that laptop from hell, from Hunter Biden's uh, viewpoint, is still causing problems because the Epic Times reported that Hunter Biden said in a text message that that story that the Secret Service went, even though Hunter lied on his gun application. And by the way, Eric Trump is 100% right because if. You know, he or his brother, if they ever dared lie on a form for a firearm the way Hunter Biden did, I don't think they'd ever get out of jail. You're conservative. You get put in jail for jaywalking, spitting on the sidewalk. If you're a Democrat, you get rid of anything. Anyway, apparently the text messages, according to the Epic Times, are real. Um, so we have that happening. Look, one thing we're going to get into more detail in the next hour. Democrats now are going to raise taxes on businesses and the rich, corporations. Let me just remind you. You may think, oh, good, corporations, they don't pay their fair share. What do you think corporations are going to do? Corporations are going to charge us more for everything we get. What do you think the price of, of, of energy, the lifeblood of our economy, means to all of you, all of us? It means that you're going to pay more to fill up your tank. 
you're going to pay more to heat your home and cool your home. And everything you buy in the drugstore, Walmart, Target, the grocery store, you're going to pay more for because those big evil, you know, corporate trucking companies, they're not going to make anything less and they're going to have to pay more for fuel. Not only does not being energy independent raise the price of energy for everything, it raises the price of everything we're going to buy. Every store, everything you buy comes on a truck. And when they pay more for fuel, you pay more for every item you buy, every grocery you buy, every toy that you buy, every whatever that's delivered you buy. That's what's happening. So, oh, tax corporations, you're going to pay more at the pump, more to heat and cool your home, and more for every single thing that you buy. By the way, it looks like Biden's up. He's got a stroke of a pen now the Second Amendment away. They, they, we now have confirmation Biden's going to sign an executive order on gun control. Buckle up. Let's see. And Biden is preparing another emergency COVID relief bill, considering that the, the last bill of $2 trillion apparently is not enough, considering it was really a blue state bailout and only 9% went to emergency relief, including prisoners with felons that are getting $1,400 checks and, it, and a couple of million illegal immigrants getting $1,400 checks. It's unbelievable. You can't even make this up. All right, hour two, Sean Hannity Show. Thanks for being with us. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of this extravaganza. So we point out to you that under Biden, this is even the New York Times headline of all things, Democrats are poised to raise taxes on businesses and the rich. Now, that doesn't sound too bad, right? Then, of course, you got the wealth tax. Then you got another COVID emergency relief, non-emergency relief bill coming. Then you've got the new Green Deal trillions that they're going to spend and everything in between. Let me remind you something. Corporations don't pay taxes. What do you think the corporations are going to do? They're going to they're, they're going to pass the tax on to us. That means you will pay more. Now, you might think, no, 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 corporations won't do that. Yes, they will. And that's how they run their businesses. If they have a margin of X percent every year, they want that margin to remain the same. Now, so you think, OK, well, we're going to tax the businesses and the corporations and those horrible companies. OK, great. Then you've got look at what's happening with energy. Energy prices are now soaring. Every time you go to the pump, all of you are paying more because of Joe Biden's green energy policies. Every time you get your heating bill and your cooling bill, you will be paying more. Everything you purchase in whatever store you like to go to, Walmart, Target, Costco's, Stop and Shop, Publix, I don't care what the name of the place is, wherever you go, everything that gets to that store vis-a-vis a truck They are not going to take less money. Truck drivers are still going to make the same amount that they're making. And trucking companies are not going to do it for less money and less profit. That means every item that you purchase, you will be paying more. All of us are impacted. Never mind the high paying career jobs that are lost in the energy sector. Now, maybe it hasn't impacted you, but if you were working on the Keystone XL pipeline, like many of the people that we've actually spent time to interview, these are high-paying, six-figure-paying career jobs 
specialized skills and the ca- the callousness by which Biden, Buttigieg, everybody in between says, well, we, we want you to get another union job. Oh, OK. As now you're going to legalize 15 million Americans, you're going to give them legal status. They'll be competing for jobs, the ones that are available. 18 million jobs lost because of the pandemic. They're they're now in the workforce. They're looking for jobs too. entire industries wiped out because of draconian shutdowns. Oh, those people are going to be looking for work. So those high paying jobs. Now they have more people that are going to be competing for the jobs when they come back online. That means wages are going to be depressed and there's no amount of Bernie Sanders wealth tax that's going to solve any of these issues. And plus, they're spending every bit of money. Now, the governor of the of Alaska is pushing back on the overreach. And there's going to be one challenge after another as it relates to America not being energy independent. Now, energy independence is good for our national security. Why? Because then we don't have to count on countries, some of whom happen to hate our guts, to dictate the price Remember, supply and, and demand dictate price. The reason the price at the pump and heating our homes, cooling our homes has been so low is because Trump made us energy independent for the first time in 75 years. All that goes away now. So now we have national security. Now we have to get the lifeblood of the world's economy elsewhere. That's going to make Putin, the Iranian mullahs, China and countries that hate us in the Middle East rich again. And we're all going to be paying more. That's like an increased tax. And, of course, all these people, high-paying jobs just ripped away from them. Anyway, so there are people pushing back. Um, you might recall Pete Buttigieg, you know, now he's proposing a mileage tax after telling energy sector workers, oh, just go get another union job. Listen to this. What about a mileage-based tax? So I think that shows a lot of promise. If, if we believe in that so-called user pays principle, the idea that part of how we pay for roads is you pay based on how much you drive, uh, the gas tax used to be the obvious way to do it. It's not anymore. So a so-called vehicle miles traveled tax or mileage tax, whatever you want to call it, could be a way to do it. Joining us now, the governor, great state of Alaska, uh, and that would be Governor Dunleavy is with us. Sir, how are you? Sean, I'm doing great, and thanks for having me on. I've been listening to you, and I just uh, I just keep shaking my head. It's, uh, it's frustrating, it's just isn't it? It's amazing what happens at breakneck speed. You know, but i got to tell you one thing about your state. I'm, it's one of the only states I've never been to, and I've got to go there. I watch every one of those Alaska shows out there. Um, I watch them all. I'm fascinated by people that live off the grid. I don't know if you are, but I'm fascinated by it. Sean, you got to come up. I mean, uh, President Trump was up here several times, and um, we got to get you up here. And if you get up here, we'll uh, we'll show you around. You'll be amazed. You better bring uh, a lot of bags because you may not want to go back home. Life below zero. Now it does get a little cold there, um, but you know, I watch guys that are like they're so creative. For example, when it's salmon season. And you, you watch, for example, some of these guys that have these these dog sleighs and everything. What they do is they actually have created what looks like the equivalent of like a water windmill. And it just takes in all the salmon so they can use it and, and preserve it and feed their dogs all winter long. It's actually amazing. Um, well, yeah, let me ask you, wheel. though. Oh, it's, yeah. Uh, what is it called? Fish wheel. It's unbelievable. I mean, they're getting, you're getting like the best salmon in the world, and you can take out a million of them. It's crazy. Um, let me ask you about this. You're hitting the Biden administration hard. You have a new announcement. Alaska's done 
letting Washington, D.C. decision makers control state, you know, states like yours and resources. Tell us what you're, you're saying point blank that, that you're going to take rightful ownership over the waters and natural resources of Alaska. Tell us about it. Yeah, so, so for 62 years since our statehood, there has been a dispute with the federal government over, over whether Alaska controls the uh, waterways within Alaska. And so this has been going on for some time. It, just a few years ago, there were two Supreme Court rulings, 8-0 the first one, um, and then 9-0 the second, in which a man in Alaska by the name of John Sturgeon brought suit because he was stopped by Park Service officials taking his boat up a river. And we've always contended that Alaska owns the waterways, the navigable waterways and the submerged lands, because that's, they're our highways. That's how we get through uh, to, our, to our cabins, to our homes, et cetera, et cetera. And so he was taken a task by uh, the uh, Park Service. He was cited. So he went to court and he won. Even with uh, folks on the Supreme Court, such as Kagan and Sotomayor, they all agreed that Alaska possesses, owns the waterways and the submerged lands. And so we still had incidences of the Park Service citing our people, so we said enough's enough. That's it. Um, we are no longer going to allow this to happen. We're taking possession of all of the um, navigable waters, period. Uh, we'll work with you, Park Service, to, um, to, to get you out of the siting uh, and permitting business, but these, belong, these lands, these waters belong to Alaska. And not only that, but we are going to work with individual Alaskans, if you do cite them, and we will bring the full force to the state of Alaska uh, against your agencies. And so we basically said it's over, 62 years is over, the Supreme Court has ruled, and um, we are going to work with our people in Alaska to protect them from the federal government. So you're saying the land of Alaska belongs to the people of Alaska, not D.C., and that you'll help yeah, any I mean, Alaskan resident fight any federal violation tickets that they receive moving forward, and basically you're telling them, get the hell out of our state and don't tell us how to run our state. Now, uh, does that, does, would that, for example, play a part in their decision that there's not going to be any oil exploration at, in Anwar? Oh, I have, a, I have a feeling that a number of these suits that we're bringing against the federal government um, will not, uh, how would I say this, not have them look kindly upon our administration as we're trying to help the people of Alaska. But, Sean, you said something that was really important, I think, is lost on a lot of folks, and that is this. If the price of energy keeps going up, it really hurts the poorest of the poor. And in Alaska, a lot of this uh, exploration and development happens in the rural parts of our state where we have folks that um, are dealing with poverty. And so by, by actually developing in Alaska... You create those jobs for those individuals, but you're also producing more oil and gas, which you've noted is basically um, it's going to be a tax on all of us, especially the poor, if the price keeps going up. And so it makes no sense. Uh, it makes no sense as to what the administration is doing. They're eliminating jobs. They're, they're causing the price of energy to go up. They're sending wealth overseas. And if they think they're going to protect the environment, Nobody does it better than America. It's the lifeblood of the economy. We've reduced carbon emissions more than any industrialized country over the last number of years. Nobody seems to pay attention to it. You know, I find this fascinating what you're doing here. This this could be the roadmap. Now, I know you joined 12 other states suing over the Keystone XL pipeline. And I was proud of you for doing it. But there have been years when 
residents in Alaska, you don't pay state income tax in Alaska. You get a check from the state of Alaska based on the people's resources there, correct? Correct. Correct. Mainly oil resources. That's how we uh, share it with the people of Alaska. Okay, so what is the average year? I know it changes year to year, and I think there was one year recently when they didn't get anything, and I know it made a lot of people mad. So because we invest that money in what we call our permanent fund, which is invested in Wall Street, we've actually done really well this past year. So we're at about uh, we're in the 70 to $80 billion range in terms of that fund. So there's a calculation that would, um, would, would calculate the check for each Alaskan, but um, it'd be several thousand dollars this year. I mean, that, that's per resident, per person in Alaska. I mean, that's pretty amazing. Yes. Uh, energy is a lot cheaper in Alaska, I think, the last time I checked in any other state. And by the way, if you think oil prices are high now, now that the Suez Canal is blocked, no oil making its way to American shores, uh, fracking uh, is prohibited, drilling now is prohibited, they stopped building the pipeline. So we're, we're gonna, we, we'll be paying $4 a gallon everywhere, like they are in some places in New York and California, any day now, probably. But, but isn't that, don't you think that's the objective of the administration? Because yes. if you make the cost of carbon high, then it seems to, it would appear to make renewables cheaper. It's artificially high because they're purposely yep. limiting the supply, and it's it, it and it creates a reliance on countries that don't like us very much, Governor. You know it, and I know it. And Absolutely. that means they will dictate the price and control even the production and flow of oil. Absolutely. And, Sean, if you get a chance, there was an, an article in Reuters in mid-March in which it detailed uh, quiet negotiations occurring between uh, uh, the administration and Canadian mining concerns to mine the rare and critical elements in Earth in Canada as opposed to the U.S. And if you read the article, what was fascinating was it, it basically said the reason was because of pushback from, uh, from uh, environmentalists. And so we are going to be pushing mining overseas now at the expense of Alaska and America, in which we could provide those critical uh, rare earths elements and metals for, um, for this country. You know, that's another show. I, I would love watching. So I watch Life Below Zero, which is crazy to me. Then I watch, I mean, there's still like a gold rush going on in Alaska. I mean, that's real. People well, are making serious here. money. Yeah, yeah. Now, you need to come up. We got to bring you up. Well, let me ask you on the gold thing. If, for example, if you're a miner and you get the rights, I don't know what the process is. Do you get to keep all that money profit for yourself? Yeah, I mean, there's going to be a royalty, and, and uh, there, there may be some taxation on it. But basically, if you get a claim, whether it's federal or state, and you prove it up, and you start to actually produce uh, gold on that property, you make you make the money. You share a little bit of it with the state, as, as it is in any state. But uh, nonetheless, it's uh, it's yours. You got it, and you own it. Listen, I'm a big fan of Alaska. I really am. And uh, if you could just make it a little bit warmer and a little bit more sun during certain parts of the year, it'd be perfect. Um, it's, Come up but, it's, but, you know, I, I just, America, Alaska to me represents the rugged individual. That is the American spirit. And the people that go up there and the level of creativity and innova innovation and invention and, you know, and by the way, everyone there is a good steward of the environment, which is pretty amazing, too. 
Governor, we appreciate you being on. Thank you so much. Keep us in the loop of whatever actions you're taking, and I think it's a bold stand, and I hope other governors do the same and follow suit. We will, Sean. Thank you. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. Uh, when we come back, by the way, yeah, everybody's now fighting back. And now there's a battle arguing that, in fact, uh, legally, they're going to have to finish building the wall, whether they want to or not. This is going to be fascinating. We'll update you on that. We'll get to your calls. Uh, The battle over the Wuhan lab, the new information we have there. We'll get to that. Quick break. Right back. All right. 25 to the top of the hour. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. Now, we just had the governor of Alaska on, and we've been telling you and we've been putting on attorneys general from around the country and those that are joining forces and now taking the Biden administration to court for the purpose of stopping these unlawful actions often taken by the federal government, which is federal overreach. Um, I think a lot of these legal challenges are going to be successful, just a matter of when. And I think it's definitely the best strategy moving forward, considering the current makeup of Congress and and who's in the White House. Be it, I know we're supposed to say the Biden Harris administration. We might as well just might as well just start getting used to saying the the Harris administration. But putting that aside, um. So we now have a lot of evidence of everything that's been happening at the border. We now see what the policies of Joe Biden have brought us, ending the stay in Mexico policy, stopping the border wall construction, bringing back catch and release. Uh, We now see the kids in cages are back and it's worse than ever. We've gone through the entire timeline. We've had what over 100,000 illegal immigrants just in the month of February alone. 174% increase since February of 2020. Uh, We've talked about unaccompanied children. We've seen them in the new cages, in the pods. We've seen the overcrowding. We see the high incidences of of COVID positive uh, when tests are actually given. We now see 87 million just for hotels alone. You're worried about the cost of what this means to all of us. If it's going to be a million people, they expect by June or early July, the latest. Well, that means everybody's going to need housing. Everybody will need food. Everybody will need, you know, health care. Everybody's going to need everything. And you'll be paying for it at a time we can least afford it. Then, of course, now we have more and more people competing for a limited amount of jobs in the height of a pandemic. And that means wages will will just be driven downward every single day. And that's not going to help anybody. Uh, We now see just how bad the situation is. It's worse than we ever thought. I mean, you watch, for example, uh, Biden officials trying to block Ted Cruz from taking photos inside the facility. Can you believe that? As the 17 senators went this weekend. But you do have one Democratic senator, a Democratic congressman, uh, Henry Cuellar, I mean, he just keeps releasing. We actually have kids in real cages and there's no social distancing whatsoever. The National Sheriff's Association has vowed to escort the media to the border so they can see the migrant disaster that Joe Biden is trying to cover up. Rasmussen now points out that Biden's approval rating is sinking fast as this crisis worsens every single day. Um, And it's just getting bad. And Joe Biden is out there lying. And he said in his big, confusing press conference the other day that the overwhelming number of migrants 
are being sent back. That's not true. Listen. The overwhelming majority of people coming to the border and crossing are being sent back, are being sent back. Thousands, tens of thousands of people who are who are over 18 years of age and single people one at a time coming have been sent back, sent home. We're sending back the vast majority of the families that are coming. We're trying to work out now with Mexico their w- willingness to take more of those families back. But we, that, that's what's happening. They're not getting across the border. And those who are coming across the border who are unaccompanied children, we're moving rapidly to try to put in place what was dismantled, as I said. For example, of all the children who are coming across the border, over 70 percent are either 16 or 17 years old. We're not talking about people ripping babies from mother's arms or little three-year-olds standing on the border. Less than, I think, it's one and a half percent fall in the category of the very young. I think we'll take a little less detail. I mean, think of what he's saying here, because he's aiding and abetting and facilitating law-breaking. And that is, uh, we're trying to get Mexico to take more people back. Uh, no, Well, you could have kept the stay in Mexico policy. He's the one that said, come, if you're seeking asylum. There was a woman, by the way, that died trying to make it across the border. A girl drowning in the Rio Grande after she took Biden's immigration advice. We see the images now. It's worse than the kids in cages the first time. That wasn't happening under Donald Trump. Now, it's, you know, now the big question is, well, how do we, where do we go from here? Instead of building more capacity We ought to be building the border wall. Now, I'm not exactly the biggest fan of National Review anymore, but it did have a good article by Kevin Roberts. He's the executive director for the Texas Policy Foundation, and he put this op-ed on National Review arguing that the stimulus funds should be used to finance finishing the border wall. But guess what? Then we'd have the ability to protect our borders and our sovereignty And we won't have the high cost associated with every illegal immigrant that comes into this country. We'd be able to do background checks on people to make sure they don't have radical associations. We'd be able to do health checks on anybody coming in. We'd be able to find out and ascertain if people are capable of of taking care of themselves while they are here and not becoming a burden on the taxpayers that are already paying too much in taxes to begin with. And as Kevin Roberts points out, Engineers, mathematicians would call it an elegant solution. Texas is facing two problems, heavily encumbered stimulus dollars coming from the federal government and a surge of migrants at our southern border that's reaching crisis level proportions. And then still on top of that, to add insult to injury here, we now have Governor Abbott can't even send protective services, children's services into these facilities where they're putting the kids in cages. And they're trying to they're preventing U.S. senators from taking pictures and they're preventing the media from from doing any reporting. No more ride alongs, no more interviews, nothing. And putting a gag order on the men and women that protect our borders every day from informing the American people of the horror that is now the result of the Biden Harris or Harris Biden administration. Kevin Roberts wrote the piece for National Review. How are you, sir? Well, Sean, great to be with you. Uh, why don't we go through what is really happening and explain what your idea here is, because I think it's actually pretty innovative. 
Well, absolutely. I'll I'll just sum up the idea and then give you a couple of quick numbers just for people, especially listeners outside Texas, to appreciate what we're seeing in our border. We've got two problems, as you mentioned. The first is a border crisis, which is, if anything, an understatement. And secondly, as I think most of us realize, the so-called stimulus money, you know, tens of, of billions, even into the trillions of dollars that Congress is sending states, our legislators don't really want that money because it's got strings attached. So, I thought one day, well, why not we solve both of those problems with one solution? Let's have Texas take that money, about $5 billion of that stimulus money, and let's go finish the wall ourselves. Federal I, government. I, I don't want to interject here, but one of, the, one of the strings attached is if you take the money, you're not allowed to cut taxes in your state. I mean, that's how devious Democrats are. We'll, we'll give you the money, but you can't, you can't cut taxes on people in your state. Pretty unbelievable. Well, well, it is, and that's a that's a worthwhile interjection, Sean. Let me say a couple things about that. The first is on the infrastructure money. I believe that we would be able, Texas would be able to steer clear of those strings. But the second thing I would say is, if now isn't the time, if you're a state, especially a state like Texas, where you're willing to take bold action and dare the Biden administration to go sue you over that stupid, devious rule about not being able to cut taxes, I don't know when we'll see that in our lifetimes, right? And so I think it's crucial to get to the numbers you were asking about to recognize that we're going to have hundreds of thousands, if not a few million, illegal immigrants, not just in this country, but in the state of Texas by the end of the summer. This is a crisis of truly unprecedented proportion. And it's preventable. And totally we know preventable. it's preventable because Donald Trump did it. You know, yeah, the, would... the great irony is, have you, have you seen, there actually are real cages that they built again. This this infrastructure, this building a c- capacity that Joe Biden's talking about, they're actually putting more kids in cages. They're doing it. They they absolutely are doing it. And and you over your career have been to the Texas border many times. I've been down there a few times in the last few years and I can tell you for folks who are listening who have not had the opportunity to do that, the Trump administration fixed this problem. There were fewer than a thousand unaccompanied children coming across the border per month. By next month, we're probably going to have 20 or 25,000 unaccompanied children. And guess where they're going to be? They're either going to be in those cages and or they're going to be released to cartels who are engaged in a level of human trafficking that the leftist media simply does not want to accept. I mean, it's pretty unbelievable. All right, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back more with Kevin Roberts, Executive Director, Texas Public Policy Foundation. Uh, Then we'll get to your calls, news roundup information. Overload hour, Hannity, 9 Eastern tonight. We've got a great show with exclusive video of the border that the mob will never show you. And as we continue, the latest in the battle of the border wall, and now it's a humanitarian, a health crisis, national security crisis, Kevin Roberts is with us, executive director, Texas Public Policy Foundation. So the president built, President Trump built 450 miles of wall. You actually can see we had our investigative reporters, Griff Jenkins, and one day was in on the Mexican side of the border. And you can see where the border wall construction stopped. Now, I've talked to my sources on the ground and those people that now their jobs are extremely difficult and a side note, all the cartels, all the, the human traffickers, drug traffickers, all the gangs, they know exactly where all of our resources are now being used. And that is to take care of the crisis created by Biden. So that gives them free reign to to bring more drugs and have more trafficking 
human trafficking, even young kids for prostitution into this country. It's happening every day. Um, And yet all of it could be prevented by doing this one big thing, and that's finish the border wall. Now, do you believe there's a legal path that could be used and that a challenge can be given on two fronts? One is to demand that the, the monies that already have been allocated be spent for what they were allocated for. And two, does does the governor of Texas have any options if the federal government is going to facilitate law breaking? Do they have an obligation and a legal path to enforce those laws, which is to keep people out? The resounding answer to both of those questions, Sean, is yes. On the first one, as I mentioned in the in the op ed, there are at least 40 Republican senators who are demanding that the General Accounting Office release the funds, which were earmarked, as you know, for building the wall for the purpose of, of completing the wall. We're arguing, please, General Accounting Office, get that done. We'll take you to court if, if, if you don't do it. But the second thing is, which is where we're coming from, from our, our, our state-based analysis is, this is the federal government's job. In fact, it's one of its core jobs, its core duties, which is to protect the border. It's protecting us and our liberties. If it's not doing that, and if we also know that states are sovereign, then why wouldn't a state take this money, which we'd prefer not to have from the so-called stimulus COVID relief bill, and apply it to that wall? Your question about the, the legal uncertainties about that is a good one. The answer, the short answer is we're not sure. But the point is there is a need, there is a path forward, and I tell you, if, if I were in leadership, I would be daring the Biden administration to tell me I can't do this because this crisis really is that bad. Yeah, it really is that bad. Um, anyway, we'll have to wait, watch, and see. But I just, I'd love to see the governor have more power. Now, he has used the Texas National Guard to help fill some of the gaps. But, I mean, can you imagine that they're not even allowing Child Protective Services the opportunity within the state of Texas to even see the conditions that the kids are actually living under when that is their state role? Because that's where they now push this. Now, we just had on the governor of Alaska Governor Alaska has basically drawn a line in the sand here. And he says that he, as governor, is taking rightful ownership over over the waters that you navigate within Alaska that are, quote, federally controlled. And he's saying, no, these lands belong to the people of Alaska and not to Washington, D.C. And he's even taken an additional step of helping residents fight the federal government if, in fact, they go after them. Any any Alaskan resident. Pretty amazing stuff. Well, it is. And I tell you, for, for your listeners who might feel a little depressed because of what's been going on the last few months, I take great solace, even optimism, by the governors of these red states saying enough is enough. Our, our governor, Greg Abbott, whom you interview plenty of times, deserves tremendous credit for his Operation Lone Star, where he's deployed several hundred National Guard troops to the border. To your point, Sean, where have they been deployed? To those gaps in the wall. And I would expect, unfortunately, that there will have to be additional deployments, as well as some legal actions so, so that our agency, the Child and Protective Services, can be down there doing what we expect them to do, and that's taking care of children. All right, Kevin Roberts, thank you. Executive Director, Texas Public Policy Foundation. Appreciate your time. Thanks for being with You bet. Oh. 800-941-SEAN, toll-free telephone number. Quick break. Right back. We'll continue. Right here for our final news roundup and information overload. All right, news roundup, information overload hour. We'll get to your calls uh, coming up this hour. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. Uh, a lot of issues now emerging uh, as it relates. And, and I, I can just tell you this. 
you know, Dr. Oz said it best at the height of COVID when we almost had him on daily. And we, we put on so many great doctors from all over the country, but he was on and he was dealing with the the political, the, the politicizing of COVID, of a pandemic. And his line stuck with me, and that is that when medicine and politics intersect, politics always wins. And we've watched this throughout the entire pandemic, the worst pandemic since 1917, 1918. The fact that, as I predicted from day one, I have faith and belief in science, medical researchers, those people that know. And, you know, if you would have said a year ago that, oh, because I know we there were there was a lot of speculation. We were researching. We were trying to find out where did this virus originate from? The thing that really stood out to me was, well, uh, in China, they would not allow anybody in Wuhan province to travel to any other part of China. You couldn't if you were in any other part of China, you were not allowed in Wuhan province. There was no flights available. They were canceled. But if you wanted to take a flight from Wuhan and you wanted to go to Europe or any other part of the world, you were able to travel there. And that's how this thing began to spread. Now we're beginning to realize the the magnitude of the lie that has been told. And, you know, even 60 Minutes is like, huh, wow, maybe, in fact, this Wuhan lab uh, maybe their deceptions over the origins of coronavirus get more outrageous every day. Now, they have the protection, obviously, of the World Health Organization, which I think is fairly useless organization. Uh, we now see what's happening in Brazil. We now see that Europe now in a massive new wave. We now see that New York and New Jersey, on top of the nursing home disasters we've discovered in those two states and Pennsylvania, and what we'd learned in Michigan, same executive orders, same thing that Andrew Cuomo did with nursing homes. You see now with the recall effort of Newsom out in California. But more and more people are beginning to talk about the origins of coronavirus. I'm not an expert on this. U.N. chief is criticizing wealthy countries now for the stockpiling of covid vaccines. Very unfair distribution of vaccines. Well, if America creates the vaccine... The American people pay for the and, and create a safety net for companies Operation Warp Speed to create the vaccine. Well, I would say that we've got to first uh, offer the vaccine to those Americans that would like it. I don't believe in forced vaccinations of anybody. You got to make that decision in consultation with your doctor and whatever you think is going to work best. Anyway. Now, the World Health Organization would tell you the report that says animals are the likely source of COVID. But now we're discovering, let's see, 60 Minutes is talking about it. The Daily Mail is talking about it. Former CDC director Robert Redfield is now saying he believes COVID-19, in fact, did escape from a Wuhan lab and started spreading as early as September of 2019. That's the earliest date that I have indicated. President Trump has suggested he's seen evidence indicating coronavirus came from the Wuhan lab and compared to WHO, which basically became the PR agency for all things that go on in China. General Jack Keane on COVID says, yeah, coming from the Wuhan lab, I accept that conclusion. Evidence supporting maybe it was an accident. Maybe it wasn't. 
But SourceFoxNews.com reporting sources believe coronavirus outbreak originated in that lab as part of China's efforts to compete with the United States. The State Department is saying the Wuhan lab researchers may have had COVID in the fall of 2019. And, you know, so it's now as we begin to see more and more, we're beginning to realize I don't think we've been told the truth at all. And we see the World Health Organization, which we help fund in large part. We're paying the vast majority of sums for has been absolutely, utterly, completely useless and has done nothing to get to the bottom of what happened from the very beginning. Sad that we paid this money. Um, But anyway, here to weigh in. Well, first, let me play this. Let me play Robert Redfield in his own words, former CDC director and what he says about the Wuhan lab. Were you able to test any of the animals found in the Wuhan market for the virus? Well, the China team had done that, and they found a few animals left in freezers. They tested them. They were negative. But the fact that those animals are there is the clue. But there's no uh, direct evidence that any of those animals were actually infected with the bat virus. Correct. Now what we've got to do is go to those farms and investigate, talk to the farmers, talk to their relatives, test them, see if there were spikes in virus there first. So the team doesn't actually know if any of the farmers or the truckers were ever infected. No one knows yet. No one's been there. No one's asked them. No one's tested them. That's to be done. If I was to guess this virus started transmitting somewhere in September, October in Wuhan. September, October. That's my own view. It's an only opinion. I'm allowed to have opinions now. You know, I am of the point of view that I still think the most likely uh, etiology of this pathogen in Wuhan was from a laboratory, um, you know, escaped. Uh, Other people don't believe that. That's fine. Science will eventually figure it out. It's not unusual for respiratory pathogens that are being worked on in a laboratory to infect the laboratory worker and that's not implying any intentionality you know it's my opinion right but I am a virologist I have spent my life in virology I do not believe this somehow came from a bat to a human and at that moment in time the virus that came to the human became one of the most infectious viruses that we know in humanity for human to human transmission now we've got these these new variants of the virus uh, that are concerning, especially as it relates to the issues involving the vaccine. Anyway, joining us, we welcome back our, our friend, Dr. George Farid is with us, Dr. Brian Tyson. Both have been on the front lines of COVID. Um, Dr. Farid, great to have you back. Let's get your Thank thoughts you. on the origins of this thing and then talk more about the vaccine, talk about the varying treatments and how politics did not particularly help doctors like yourself manage this pandemic. Thank you very much, Sean and Linda, and it's uh, great to be on with my colleague. Uh, Dr. When did this Brian become Tyson. the Sean and Linda show? I don't get that. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I, it's Sean, okay, and Sean. I'm teasing. I'm case. teasing. I know you're friends with Linda. Everybody's friends with Linda. Yeah, yeah, she's great. Um, in any case, uh, I, I would support Redfield on this. Uh, I, I think uh, Brian has researched it very well, actually. There's a lot of compelling evidence that gain of function was going on there that was uh, very dangerous. And uh, we'll, we'll see what, how it unfolds. I'm, Brian and I are doctors. We're, we're not the scientists in this area. So uh, that's, our opi- that's my opinion. He'll have something else to say, I'm sure, on that. But uh, I, I differ from Redfield and Fauci and so many others there that don't ever see a COVID-19 patient. 
the tragedy that I've expressed to you, Sean, uh, is it's, Brian and I have used a protocol that we evolved, but it's, it's very essentially what we were using a year ago. And we've had 99% recovery of high-risk patients. The, the, the published reports are 85% recovery or la- and, and decreased hospitalization with the outpatient treatment with hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, and other anti, uh, antivirals with nutraceuticals in the Peter McCullough algorithm. And Peter's guided us in many ways and guides me today in my talking with you, Sean, and your listeners, your audience. Uh, but well, we got on, to a uh, point, Dr. Fareed, and you remember this, that you couldn't even mention this medicine because Donald Trump supported it. And, you know, I remember what Dr. Oz said about it because he agreed with you. And he said, well, listen, you, you don't go to war with the army you wish you had. You go to war with the army you got. Uh, yeah, and, and that's and when, right. It was a very good army, actually. You know, and the shocking thing, like, just there's something very corrupt that's been involved in all this. For instance, today or recently, the Brazilian Medical Association banned early treatment, and Australia bans early treatment. Canada bans it. Uh, Belgium and, uh, and Western Europe, they've all been tarnished. And there's a deep corruption that is stakeholders that uh, I, I can't fathom. And I know Brian can't either, uh, uh, unless he has some other idea that I, I don't have. But it, it's, it's just heartbreaking. Uh, and we do the best we can. And I'd like, I've treated 800 and, uh, and distantly. I like your friends in Illinois that were on death's doorstep practically. And they turn around with this treatment. And, I couldn't uh, believe it, and you were very generous, by the way. Thank you for doing that. No, no, any time. And, and that's, I'm getting uh, text messages, calls from all over the country, all over California, as are other frontline doctors like Brian, uh, who uh, are, we know that treatment works so well. It's so gratifying. Well, the and other we thing was, too, remember Dr. Daniel Wallace in April of last year wrote, that, you know, th- this is the foremost expert dispensing hydroxychloroquine, for example, for 42 years. He's, you know, written 250 peer-reviewed articles, rheumatoid arthritis and lupus and anti-malarials. And he's never, he said the risk is nil, zero, in 42 yeah, years. Yeah, it's a great product, and as is ivermectin, actually, and, and perhaps fluvoxamine, but they're and we're seeing lambda interferon maybe coming up as a good agent, and monoclonal antibodies. We have a combined approach, and, and people shouldn't be afraid. We're seeing variants. We've seen them throughout uh, our country for quite a while, and, and they're not actually avoiding the immunity that the natural infection creates in, in people. And natural infection is the strongest immunity with T-cell direct immunity as well as mucosal immunity, and, By the uh, way, do people that have had COVID, uh, should they still get the vaccine? Do you recommend no, it? No, no, I don't recommend it at all. In that the, the antibody titers can wane, but the T-cell uh, memory stays on. And so the, I, Does it I stay think on in perpetuity? Overkill. I want to be very clear. I, no, I, I don't know about that. We don't know. That's being studied. But it's definitely strong. And so uh, the, the people that, uh, if they get vaccinated, they're not fully protected. They may contract the illness. I've seen... Those that are vaccinated have uh, COVID-19, and I've treated them, and I know Brian has also, I suspect. But the COVID-recovered are the ones that are, are the best protected. 
So uh, my advice is to uh, be cautious about vaccination in any COVID uh, uh, recovered patient. And so we're we're, we're do, treating. We we we've had to fight against this body of knowledge of advice coming from people who don't treat COVID nineteen and that are uh, content with letting people die, and that that's intolerable. And I, I can't stand for that. But I, I don't want to take up too much of your time because I no, know you're not. This is uh, a very my, important discussion, Doctor Brian know, Tyson. I, I, I'll, yeah, go ahead. But let me you just mention to... one other thing about Brian and and the, uh, the urgent care. We should have had and we should still have C-19 urgent care centers all following his direction or someone like him who's knowledgeable and has succeeded. And uh, I'd chime in or help with that also. But there's, these should have been around our country. People shouldn't be floundering and trying to scramble to get treatment or find people, doctors that don't treat. They they should just have C-19 treatment and infusion centers for the antibodies and then uh, consideration of vaccination. All right, as we continue, Dr. George Fareed, Dr. Brian Tyson are with us. Um, Dr. Tyson, yes. let's just bring you in, sir. Your take. Hey, thanks, Sean, uh, uh, for bringing me on the show. So, I mean, you know, I like Dr. Fareed has been saying, uh, we've, been, we've been treating these uh, patients on the front line since day one. Uh, we're now... If you look at my numbers, we're over 4,600 positive patients we've treated with only two mortalities. Um, early treatment's just been just, I, I, don't, I, I just don't understand it. As, as part of natural medicine and taking care of patients, you don't wait two weeks until you start treating people. I would never do that with cancer treatment. We'd never do that with any other uh, treatment in the, in the history of medicine. Wait two weeks, go home, and when you don't feel well enough, then go to the hospital. No direction, no follow-up. Um, it, it, it was just, it was crazy, you know, looking back at, at this a year later. By the way, uh, doctor, it's still crazy. I know people that have gotten it, they've been told, yeah, just take Tylenol and if you have a fever. That's, that's, that, that is the extent of what they are told. Yeah, I can't believe and, and it. I, I can't believe it either. And, and I don't understand why we continue to listen to people who've never taken care of patients. You know, that to me is the biggest lie that, that we've seen across this country, which is early treatment doesn't work. Uh, we've proven it. Multiple, uh, multiple people across the nation have proven it. Um, but now it seems to be more malicious in the fact that they're still preventing it and even getting rid of it and banning it in certain countries, like Fareed was saying. I, it's, it's mind-blowing. All right, quick break. We'll come back more with uh, Dr. George Fareed, Dr. Brian Tyson uh, on COVID and your calls. Quick break right back. All right, 25 to the top of the hour. We'll get to your calls here next in just a second. Final question. Let me ask you both, and, and Dr. Tyson, we'll start with you first. How do you feel about the vaccine, both for people that had antibodies that had contracted corona or COVID-19 and recovered, and those that have been able to dodge this thing? So, I mean, number one, if you've had the disease, you do not need the vaccine. That's, that's been proven. You know, we, we've never given vaccines to people who have had the illness in, in any uh, form in history. If you look at, you know, measles, you didn't get a measles vaccine after getting measles. Chickenpox, you didn't get the chickenpox vaccine after getting chickenpox. It's all was to be prevent the infection. Now, you, the one do you find that vaccine, dangerous, though? Even like, for example, I, if the antibody levels go low, Dr. Fareed mentioned the T-cell protection that still remains. So my question is, is there a risk if you had COVID and then you do take the vaccination? There is, 
because if you look at the studies that they were doing with the uh, vaccine before, uh, these uh, were just released. If you look at all the pre-animal studies and you, and you look at those studies, the number one concern they had to this vaccine was the safety, okay? In all of the animal trials, when those animals were re-exposed and reinfected with the, vac- with, with, uh, the actual virus, those animal studies, they died. So there was death when you saw that. So that is the number one uh, concern that a lot of us physicians have, which is what's going to happen when you get the vaccine on top of already having it and get re-exposed to it. This is an inflammatory response disease. That's the problem. It's not that the virus is killing people. It's the inflammatory response that's killing people. It's causing them to quit breathing. Okay? It's causing so much inflammation in the lungs that their oxygenation goes down and they end up dying from respiratory failure. It's not the virus, so it's the response to the virus. So it would make sense when you look at how does this vaccine create a response? Well, it's going to create an antibody response. Then when you get re-exposed to the virus, we don't know what that's going to look like. We've seen patients already be in, reinfected with the virus, and so far it, it looks promising, and, and, I, and I hope that it stays true to that, but I don't know what that's going to look like after the second well, dose of the, of the vaccine or if, if these new variants come around, how that's going to be. We, we just don't know. Dr. George Farid, what's your take on the now have three approved vaccines, Johnson & Johnson about to get on the market. That's the only single shot vaccine. Uh, Pfizer, Moderna, what are your thoughts? Well, I I'm, I'm, have a, the same uh, uh, feeling as Dr. Tyson in that the, these are experimental uh, products uh, and that they, they're genetic. They're, uh, they, they ha- their long-term effects aren't clear yet. They won't be clear for years and years to come. But I, I recommend them for the high-risk individuals that are over 60 years of age in particular, uh, those that are most vulnerable that are, have not had the wild infection, the natural infection, I, I recommend against them in, patient, in individuals that have had the normal, the full COVID-19 and recovered from that and have the complete natural immunity. And I'm, I'm wary about their application or use in children and in pregnant women or younger uh, women of, uh, of childbearing ages. So uh, my, I'm not recommending mass vaccination as the solution, since I know that early treatment is, is so effective, and the natural immunity that one gets is far better than the vaccine But is, but is the treatment, what about the people with pre-existing conditions, weakened immune systems, comorbidities? No, well, they, they're fine. They tolerate our treatment very well, actually. It's, uh, it's, it's, these are well-tolerated tr- medications used in a, in a short-term treatment for five days, if that's so what you're So you're looking asking. at the most vulnerable, which, is, you know, they got so much wrong. I don't, I, listen, I, I've, I've tried to give Dr. Fauci the benefit of the doubt. I have. I, I understand he spent decades of his life working in medical research and trying to save lives. I appreciate it. I think his, I don't question his sincerity. But these, but he's been wrong enough now, and now he's entered the political arena on this. I just had it, and yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, I, I, and and he's not on the front lines like you guys are, actually dealing with real COVID positive people or older people, as you just mentioned, Doctor Farid, that now have to make a decision, and and I'm sure you agree with me. It's got to be in consultation with your own individual physician. 
And based on what you feel like doing, try and accumulate as much knowledge as you can. Um, I urge people to to spend the time to research, to read, to listen to many, many different points of view. Then talk it over with your doctor or doctors that you're, are your friends that you like, believe and trust and then make the decision that's right for you. Um, and by the way, I never thought saying that, you know, I want people not to be forced to get something or shamed into not getting something as somehow, you know, they should be alienated in some way. I think this is a very personal, individualized decision. And uh, I'm not going to play doctor on radio or TV, but I will tell you, the experts have been so wrong. Um, I'm very skeptical, especially of the people that are not on the front lines of this. Yeah, uh, but I, I want to thank I you both because you've done an amazing job helping people. Thank you. You wanted to say? Privilege. Yeah, my, you know, I just want people to understand that, that you know, when you... You look at making a decision about a vaccine is it should be beneficial for you. When you look at the survival rates from 0 to 19 being 99.997%, 20 to 49 being 99.98%, when you look at 50 to 69 at 99.5%, our jobs as doctors is to first do no harm. When the, when the cure is worse than the disease, that's a problem. And, and, and if you look at the, the uh, VAERS report and you look at all of the adverse reactions from this vaccine, only those who are in the high-risk group should even be uh, consulted for this vaccine. There's no reason to give this to kids, you know, as a mandate to go back to school. Kids have, have no problem with this disease. And I think that that's what people are missing out. Let's focus on why do we even need this vaccine to begin with. And the answer is we don't. Well, I appreciate getting both your point of view. My tendency after all my consult, I, I, I kind of believe in the science of it. Uh, and I've consulted with my doctor. My number just got called, so I have to make this decision soon, and I'm leaning towards it. But I do appreciate both of you. And I want people to be very, very thorough, investigate very deeply, think, think, think a lot about this, read a lot about this, talk to as many people as you respect in the field of medicine that have dedicated their lives to saving lives. And, and then that's going to be a decision between you and your doctor. And it should really nobody else's business. Um, thank you both. Jo- Dr. George free, Dr. Brian Tyson. We appreciate you being with us. 800-941-SEAN. If you want to be a part of the program. All right, let's get to our busy phones. Dylan is in Texas. Hey, Dylan, how are you? Glad you called. Thanks for waiting. Hey, Sean, thanks for taking my question. Hey, I just wanted to get your uh, thoughts and opinions on the future of the military under the, um, the Joe Biden administration. We're seeing here that there's some like initiatives for diversity and inclusion, and you're, you're, you're seeing this woke mentality in some of the generals um, across the whole military. And I'm majorly considering going in as I'm only 18 years old. I have a whole future ahead of me, and you know, I just wanted to get tell your me, thoughts. Tell me, tell me why that. you want to go in. Yeah, so my my grandfather was a uh, Marine. He served in Vietnam, Korea, and the Chosen Reservoir in World War II. And I'm kind of following in his footsteps to defend and serve for our country. You know, I would never discourage anybody from wanting to serve. I, I really do believe, what I, these are not words for me, it's what I believe. I believe mm-hmm. that we all are, I believe in natural rights. Rights are, are God-given. We, we, you know, we're endowed by our creator. We're not endowed by a government. And I think that every individual created by God has talent, has abilities. Every person is special. We all have our own fingerprint. 
which is amazing in and of itself when you think of the billions of people in this world. It's it's special. It's unique. Um, and if that's where your heart is pulling you and that's what you feel strongly about, I would never talk you out of it. I'd want you to think through it. I, I am happy about the advancement of military technologies and as much as you know, I, I'd, I'd hate to ever go back to a day when we're going door to door in, in Baghdad and Iraq and and fighting these endless ground wars when we have the ability to take out entire groups of people with pinpoint accuracy, pushing a button in Tampa, Florida. So I think that's going to be the future. The more technologically advanced weaponry is going to be the future of warfare. We better stay on top of it. China is a real clear present danger to this country, as is Russia, as are the Iranian mullahs, if they ever got nuclear weapons, as is North Korea. It's a very dangerous world. Evil exists. And just, you know, be be very sober in your decision making here and think through. Um, you may very well be putting your own life in jeopardy for your country. And that is a, a strong possibility. Now, with all the freedoms that we usually take for granted, we forget that so many other people people paved the way by taking those very risks without the military technology we have today. And many died and many were severely injured and gave up their lives so we can live free. The cost is you can it's incalculable. The honor, right. the the sacrifice is amazing. It's inspiring. So I, you know, I always tell my kids, I, I, I'm not going to tell you what to do with your life, but find what you love, find your passion, find your calling, find what isn't work to you. And, and then, then you have to find a way to, you know, make a little bit of money at it so you can afford to pay your rent and mortgage and buy the car that you want or the truck that you want. So I think that, you know, you're only 18 years old. You, my honest opinion about anybody 18 is you really can't make a mistake for now. You can't, um, because if you wanted to go back to school, you can go back to school. They have great programs within the military for you to finish your education. I'd strongly urge you to do that. Um, I happen to be pretty passionate. There's this young kid that works at a local grocery store I go to, and I see him every week when I do my grocery shopping. Still can't believe people are shocked that I, I do my own grocery shopping. And they're like, what are you doing here? I'm buying food. Why? I like to eat. It's, you know, simple. But if, you, if that's what your passion is, Dylan, why wouldn't you do it? I'll let you answer. Yeah, no, uh, it it absolutely is a passion. It's really something I want to do. I I feel a little bit discouraged, though, by the push um, from some of these woke leaders of, you know, some of this, you know, you're racist if you don't do this, you're racist if you don't do that. You know, a lot of that kind of thing going on. That's in every wokeness, cancel culture is in every aspect of this society. We, you know, people, the level of people being offended every second of every day, I think it's total BS. I think people feign shock and outrage. Um, I'm not buying it all the time, but that's probably going to be a part of your reality, at least in the near future. I I think there'll be a backlash to all that eventually. And people are going to say, I don't care. I'll tell you the comedy I want to listen to right now. I want to listen to the guys that'll say anything. I like comedy where they will say anything because they want to make us laugh. And if you want to tell, I'm 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 100% Irish according to Ancestry.com. If you want to say, what's an Irish seven-course meal, a six-pack and a potato, okay? I'm not going to act like I'm offended because I'm not. It's funny. And, you know, I couldn't say that about any group that I'm not a part of. I'm 100% Irish-American. So, um, 
but I would just, you know, it's it's just it's got to be something. I want you to think through it. I want you to also think of ways that you can be having plan B while you're doing and executing plan A. For me, that would be find a way to stay in school while you're while you're in the military. They, they have a lot of good programs I know that are available and and find the areas of, the, of interest that you have in your life and then pursue it with a passion. That's my advice. Does that help? Yes, sir. Thank you very much. All right. If you do this, God bless you and thank you. And, you know, for wanting to serve. I mean, you know, there's so many people out there like good teachers, doctors, nurses. Um, I just teach, you know, all of the policemen, firemen, uh, paramedics, first responders. These people are all amazing to me. They just are. All right, Hannity tonight, 9 Eastern, Fox News Channel. The disaster at our southern border with, yes, more kids in cages and pictures that nobody else in the mob and the media will dare show you. Uh, we'll have the very latest on that. We'll check in our investigative reporters. Lindsey Graham was at the border. Larry Elder, Dana Lash. Uh, the origins of COVID. It looks like, oh, all those crazy conspiracy theorists were right. It was coming from the lab. Even the mainstream media is reporting it. Well, full coverage tonight. Set your DVR, Hannity, 9 Eastern. Thanks for being with us. See you tonight. Back here tomorrow.